prophetic news radio broadcast on blog talk radio but we are moving our radio ministry over to Spreaker and that's spelled S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R so we'll be on blog talk radio for another month or two anyway but then you can find us on Spreaker that's where we're going to be moving our broadcast to. So we wanted to let our listening audience know about that just so you can start heading over there to uh, listen to the program. Also, we have our YouTube channel, which is under my name, Susan Puzio. And we have Greedy Preachers TV which is available for you, where we have some videos and we're hoping to make more videos in the future. Also, our website, propheticnews.com and our two books, President Trump's Pastor. I know it's hard to believe. (laughs) Paula White. And we hope Paula repents. It must be awful to live your life without really knowing the Lord Jesus and to be scamming people in his name. That must be an awful awful way to live. So we hope Paula repents. But anyway, our book, it's been well-researched. It's an investigative report, actually. We have many documents in the book. We back everything up with documentation. We don't make false allegations about people. You see this You see this on the internet when I was listening to uh, these ministry wars. You hear these ministry wars on, um, on the internet where they have different feuding ministries or let's say so-called ministries where one person says something about somebody and so then the other, the person that they're saying the thing about, then they retaliate, and then they say something about the other person. And they don't document their facts. They're, sometimes their stories are one-sided. They don't, just to get even, it seems like they, they have these revenge programs where and we're not supposed to take revenge on people. The, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So you're not supposed to publish things on the internet and lie about people. If you, you can't say things unless you can back it up with documentation because you can get sued. And that happened to one of the online ministries where they got sued by... a. a some homosexual group because they said something that obviously wasn't true 
So they filed a defamation case, and the uh, homosexual party won the case, and so the the ministry has to pay pay a hundred thousand or a couple hundred thousand dollars in damages. So we don't report anything. We just don't gossip about people and throw things out there if we don't have documentation. It's not uh, that's not integrity. And you're not supposed to then go online and then they have one minister, so-called, that he goes, he rants on and on and on about some people that obviously they posted things about him that he didn't like. And so he can't help himself. He keeps, for I don't know how many years now, he's been bad-mouthing these certain ministries and saying half truths about them and it's like can you please bury the hatchet array don't you have anything else to do with your time (laughs) besides falsely accusing people of things that you can't prove so we're not supposed to run our ministries that way and our book about Paula White it's well documented with uh, court records and documentation we just don't throw things out there about her and her relationship with Donald Trump and some of the things, the things that she's done publicly. These things aren't a secret. We didn't uh, hire a private detective to follow her around and get secret information. These things are out there in uh, court records and whatever. So President Trump's pastor, Paula White, it's on Amazon, and the miracle-selling huckster who became the spiritual advisor to the world's most powerful man. It's hard to believe because you could see, obviously, uh, Donald Trump didn't vet her because if he had properly vetted her, he would have found out some things that were questionable. And obviously, his family didn't vet her either. And then some of these ministries that are endorsing her, obviously, they didn't vet her either because... Yikes, how can you endorse someone that told people to watch pornography, her and her husband did at a church service in 2015, to help their marriages? She said, don't get addicted to porn, but you need, you, you need to educate yourself. No, we don't educate. That's not the way Christians educate themselves, so that's a big red flag. And then you have her going and speaking for Hak Jahan Moon, the wife of the dead Sun Young Moon, who's been mummified and put in a glass coffin where people go and bow down to him because he said he was God, and she says she's God, and she says she's the Holy Spirit, Mrs. Moon, and she's the only begotten daughter of God. So Hola goes and speaks for her. I guess she gets big bucks. So does Trump. So Trump goes there, too. And they say what a great person Moon is, and Paula says she's a Christian who loves the Lord. So why are any Christian ministries endorsing her and endorsing Donald Trump without asking him why? I can't endorse you if you're going to go and say a cult leader who calls himself God is a wonderful person, a tremendous person. I'm not going to endorse you. No way. So I'm asking some of these people out there 
these men of God and these women of God, why are you endorsing these people without asking them the questions? If you have the opportunity to see these people in person, why aren't you asking them these important questions? If I was, if I had a meeting with Donald Trump or I was able to meet with him, I would ask him, why are you promoting Mrs. Moon? Don't you have any advisors that should warn you? It's like promoting Jim Jones. And why are you endorsing a person like Paula White? I, I would say. And, and if I got to talk to Paula, I would ask her too, like, where's your head at? Could you please tell me? Because you call yourself a Christian, but your actions are not Christian. So not everybody that says they're a Christian or like Jesus said, they'll say, Lord, Lord, and then Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. That's about how it's going to go. So those things are out there. Also, our book, Seed Faith, Can a Man Bribe God? That's out there. But anyway, we're going to have a program. We're going to have Ron Roby on today, and he's going to talk about tithing. Of course, there's been a big dust-up with this Creflo dollar coming out and telling people to throw away all his books and all his tapes and all his previous teachings on tithing. <laughs> and I, I, I thought Ivy Hilliard brought out a good point. Now, Ivy Hilliard, he, he was all upset because he, he's a pimp preacher. He's a pimp preacher. He can't live without those tithes. So he, he came on, and he was uh, kind of telling Creflo off. And he, he, but one thing that he said, which, which was true, he said that, Creflo, you, you said in the past that the Holy Spirit was giving you all these messages about tithing. And, and yeah, you could see these men, they pray. They always pray before they give their sermons. Oh, God, put your word on my lips and blah, blah. And then they preach heresy. So, yeah, so all those years that Creflo was teaching tithing and he was saying, yes, the Lord told me and the Lord woke me up. <laughs> so he was asking him, how come you said the Lord told you? And now you want us to believe the Lord is telling you this? So anyway, oh, that they were coming out of the woodwork, uh, Rod Parsley and some others. Uh, oh, no, you have to tithe. Oh, you have to be obedient because if you're not obedient, God will not, uh, will not bless you. And you can open yourself up to all kinds of things. Yeah, like what? Like what? Tithing was never money anyway. So these guys and Ivy Hilliard, he, he, Ivy Hilliard, he's quoting all these theologians. Or, and it was this doctor and, and this person. And we go by all these teachings. What about the word of God? Like, what about God's word? Did you read? Did you ever read the Bible for yourself and like read a good translation? And could you read and find out that there was never any money that was associated with tithing, never. So it's amazing how spiritually illiterate most of these ministers are. And then you have, or so-called ministers, and then you have people that are so loyal, like they would die for these people. they defend them to the end. He said this, and he said that, and I'm like, I don't care who said it. If it's not, thus saith the Lord, it ain't so. Right? Amen. Right. 
yeah, if their favorite preacher said it, he said it, and Dr. So-and-so said it, and, and Bishop So-and-so said it. I don't care what they said. If Jesus didn't say it, I don't want to hear it. And then they say, well, you know, Jesus said that you should tithe. What did he say they were tithing? Mint and rue. He didn't say they were tithing money. He even said it himself. It wasn't money. It was crops. That, they leave that part out. They leave that part out. Ah, they don't want it. But people in the congregation have Bibles, but they, they have such bad pastoritis. It's a disease. <laughs> there was brothers years ago, they used to call it mad church disease, which it is. It's mad church disease. It's like everybody's got a Bible. That's how I found out what tithing really was. It took me many, many years. <laughs> But if you would devote the time, and it will take you some time to look up every scripture, everything about giving, money, tithing, offerings, if you'll do it, you'll find out what the truth is. And then you won't, have, you won't fall for these con artists. So what's some of the news? Now, some of the, low, some of the news today is Church of England says it has no official definition of a woman. And you're in trouble over there in Great Britain. You're in big trouble. Anyway, the Church of England was founded by Henry VIII. Henry, what did he have? Six wives and two of them, I think. Two of them, at least two of them. He had their heads chopped off. I don't think I would want to marry a guy like that. Or I don't think I'd want to belong to his church either. And uh, no. Now they can't tell you what a woman is. The wife of... Bill Johnson of Bethel passed away. She was suffering with cancer, and she passed away this week, which is sad. It's sad for the family. Yes, it's very sad for the family. And uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to them because ultimately it's not in our hands, and I think everybody realizes that when when they have a death in the family, and you're believing God for somebody to be healed, and they're not healed the way you want them to be healed, but they're healed in the ultimate way when the Lord takes them home. It's always sad for the family, of course. And Matthew Barnett, Tommy Barnett's son, who they have the Dream Center in Los Angeles, and... Of course, Tommy Barnett is an Assembly of God preacher, pretty well known. His son, Matthew, is a pastor. Anyway, he had a stroke and a brain bleed. Oh, dear. He's young. He's, a, he's probably only in his 40s. Pretty young. And also, John Gray, who is a pastor, had was in critical condition. I don't know. I haven't looked really today to see if there's any updates. He was hospitalized with blood clots. Yikes. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on out there. That's for sure with uh, all kinds of events going on. But that's the thing. These people never know when their time is up. Nobody knows, really. You can be here one day and gone tomorrow. We and so 
You hope, though, that some of these people, especially these people that are really off on their doctrines, that when they go through a crisis and they don't know if they're going to live or die, that they would straighten up their doctrines and have their come-to-Jesus moment and really get their lives right with the Lord. It's very, very important, very important. But we're going to have uh, part one, which we're going to do a brief explanation today. So we don't want to give you too much information at once. I know we've done these programs before on tithing. And most of those programs were an hour, an hour and a half. But I'm going to do a shorter program this week and next week with Ron so that then you can go and look up all the scriptures yourself and really a good translation to use is the King James. That's my favorite translation. I think it's the most accurate. It has beautiful English. If you don't understand the word, you can look the word up in the Webster's Dictionary, preferably the one that I think it's 1865 Dictionary. You can find the, the best definition of words. And... Uh, so you can learn some new words. Some people say, well, it's too hard to understand. Uh, but you can look up the words. I don't know the definition of, of all the words either, but if I don't know, I look it up, and then I learn something new. So that's why the Bible says to study, to show yourself approved. And that's what we want to do. So, of course, also, we're having all kinds of situations with our government. You see the president going to the Middle East to get oil when we have plenty. We were, we were energy independent. <laughs> we were energy independent. We have plenty of fossil fuel in this country. No, we can't use the fossil fuel we have going to go to Saudi Arabia and make them rich and get their oil. Now, does that make any sense? No. None of it makes any sense. I think, sometimes I think it's like the twilight zone because you hear this guy Biden speaking and then he's talking in circles. He can't think. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's shaking hands with the air. And then you see the vice president, she talks in circles. And I think sometimes I think they're doing it deliberately because who's the author of confusion? There's so much confusion. You, you can't even follow these people. It's so weird. It's so weird. But anyway, let me play this one audio before I'm going to bring Ron on. And then he's going to talk about it. So let's play this one audio. Gave his tithe, it was an expression of his dependence on God. The Lord woke me up at 5.30 this morning and he said this to me. And he said, get up and write it down before you lose it. He said that your giving is a response to my ability to take care of you.
He said, when you give, it is your declaration of dependence on me. Can I, can I read that again? Your giving is a response to God's ability to take, take care of you. I give because I now know that God can take care of me. That's why Abraham gave. He gave a tenth of everything because he says, oh, that's the possessor of heaven and earth. I don't have to worry about nothing. So I'm going to give and I'm going to, in my giving, make a declaration that he is able to take care of me. You remember what Abraham said to the king of Sodom? I've lifted my hands up before God. I won't take nothing down to a thread or a shoe latchet. So you won't ever be able to say you made Abram rich. But I have declared my dependence upon God. His time, his giving was a response to God's ability to take care of him. Amen. So we'll be bringing Ron on to give us his thoughts on what Creflo said. A uh, short clip here where he's speaking of uh, Abraham giving in response to God's uh, ability to take care of him, uh, you know, or to provide for him. That There's really no indication in Scripture that that was the actual reason that Abraham tithes. Uh, the Scripture simply says that, uh, uh, Melchizedek blessed Abraham and said, blessed be Abraham, you know, of the most high God, you know, and, uh, uh, he clearly says that after he blessed Abraham, uh, Abraham gave him tithes of all. There's no indication whatsoever, uh, that it was because Abraham, uh, was, uh, uh, provided for by God, even though Melchizedek mentioned that, that God had provided for him. Uh, uh, he's delivered your enemies into your hand, he said. Uh, now, you know, you really think about that. Uh, yeah, God did deliver his enemies into his hands, but God delivered Abraham's enemies into his hands many times throughout the, throughout the Abraham's life. You can see different times when Abraham was challenged and God actually protected him. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that Abraham actually gave tithes because God, uh, 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 had, uh, uh, delivered him. Uh, what I think um, as far as the tithes and what I believe as far as the tithes, uh, and the Hebrew lexicons seem to agree with me, uh, is that, uh, this was a practice that had been the, the, the people in Canaan where Abraham lived, uh, uh, Abram lived in, Ma uh, in, uh, Mamre, but it was all part of the land of Canaan. Uh, but, uh, the, the, the land of Canaan, uh, was a part of a region of the world where tithes of war spoils were being practiced by the people of that land. Uh, it was required of them. And you can see that it was required of them when you look at King Melchizedek, uh, uh, going to the Valley of Shaveh. Why didn't Abraham go to Salem to give the tithes to the king, if if it was a, a thing that you know he wanted to give to God, and he, if he knew that that uh, Melchizedek was a priest of the Most High God, uh, because the place where Abraham uh, fought the last battle uh, there in Genesis 14, the city of Hobah, Hobah was just north of uh, Jerusalem or Salem, where where King Melchizedek lived. So it would have made more sense that he that Melchizedek stayed at his own kingdom, and Abram brought the tithes to him there. If that was what Abram was going to do, instead Abraham went 
southeast or south, yeah, southeast towards Chavez, uh, the Valley of the Kings. Uh, and it was there that he gave the, uh, tithe, uh, to Melchizedek. So yeah, it was, a, I don't think it was a thing of, uh, uh, recognizing that God had taken care of them and God was able to take care of them. It was just a thing of Abraham obeying or observing the law of the land. Of Genesis 14 says that he brought back Lot and all his goods and his and the people. Uh, and uh, so what Abraham gave the tithes of all was in reference to all that is mentioned there in chapter uh, in chapter 16, uh, 14 and verse 16, the, the spoils of war. Okay, so what about Jacob? Uh, Jacob's tithes, okay. Jacob, uh, Jacob did, didn't actually tithe according to the Bible. I mean, it, there's no record that he did. I'll put it that way. Uh, in Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 through 22, we see Jacob making a vow. If God would bless him, uh, and, and, uh, feed him and take care of him and, and bring him back to his father's house safely, then God would be as God, and he would give the tenth of all that God gave him to God. Now, what's interesting about that is it was a conditional vow. And uh, even more interesting is the fact that the last provision of that, uh, the last condition of that uh, vow, uh, that God would bring him back to Isaac's house, that, that particular uh, condition was not filled for 21 years, until 21 years after he made the vow. Uh, you know, so obviously the, uh, vow was, uh, was conditional. And, uh, this actually proves that God did not require tithing because God would have spoke up and said, look, you're going to pay tithes whether you like it or not. Uh, many people say that, uh, Isaac taught Jacob to tithe and, uh, Abraham taught Isaac to tithe. And that's how, that's how it went, you know, it went down the bloodline. But the, the fact is, is Abraham's tithe is totally different than what, Jacob vowed. Uh, uh, it wasn't a war spoil vow. In other words, uh, Jacob was actually promising if you if you keep the the vow in context. Uh, start at chapter twenty eight of Genesis and read from verse twelve through verse fifteen, and you'll see that God had promised Jacob a uh, 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 the land that he lived on, uh, not just to, to Jacob but to Jacob's descendants as well. Uh, 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 not actually that he lived on, but that he was living uh, or sleeping on at that time. Yes. Uh, and when Jacob woke from the dream, he said that he would he would give God that the tenth of what God would give him. It was in response to God saying, "I'll give you land." So I believe that the the tithe that Jacob was actually promising was actually land. Uh, Jacob never did tithe money uh, in in the scriptures. We don't see him tithing it. Uh, Abraham did not tithe his own money. Abraham tithed the spoils of war. And then we look at the Israelites. The Israelites were not required to tithe their money. Uh, they were required to tithe the seed of the land, the fruit of the tree. Uh, and this can be found in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And they were required to tithe the, uh, uh, every tenth animal to pass under the rod. Uh, that's Leviticus 27, 32. Uh, they also were required to tithe agricultural food products such as oils and wines. You can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 17. Yeah, so what about, could you eat the tithe and turn it into money? 
yeah, well, now we go into Leviticus or Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22 through 26 uh, to see that particular passage. Uh, uh, and what God was saying, and that, that was actually a food tithe. Uh, you know, cause it, it clearly says that all that the, all the seed that the fields produce. Uh, so obviously it was, it was food that was to be tithed. God made provision if the way was too far from him. Uh, if the place that he chose to place his name was too far from the person who was to tithe, they could sell the tithe for food and they could, uh, carry that money to the place that God uh, uh, established, uh, or that he placed his name there. Uh, and there, according to verse 26, they were to use that money to buy food and drink or whatever they desired. Uh, uh, and they were to eat that before the Lord. Uh, so obviously God wasn't saying to tithe money. And now that passage clearly shows that the tithe that God was speaking of in that passage was not even given to the church. It was a tithe that the person who grew the, uh, the agricultural product or who bred the an- agricultural animals, uh, that, that uh, tithe was eaten by them and their family. Uh, now, in Leviticus chapter 30, verse 31, we do see that God did make a provision for uh, buying uh, part of the, cro- uh, the crops tithe back, the agricultural crops. Uh, he said, if a man will at all redeem all of his tithes, he shall add the first, uh, fifth part there too. Now, uh, the, the word redeem there actually means to purchase or to buy back. So in order for something to be bought back, it has to be given first. Yeah. You can't buy something back that you already have in your possession. <laughs> so what about Malachi? Malachi is a great verse, I, uh, but great passage. And, you know, if people would take time to read Malachi uh, and uh, really think about what it's saying, they can easily refute the monetary tithe there because in Malachi chapter three, verse seven, this is a key verse that pastors just will not concentrate on. They don't want you to concentrate on Malachi three, seven. Uh, ye have gone away from my ordinances return unto me and I will return unto you. And wherein shall we return? Uh, you know, so, uh, if you look at this, you're seeing you're seeing that God is telling the Israelites. Actually, He's telling the Levitical priests uh, uh, that uh, they are to return to His ordinances. Uh, what does God's ordinances says? Well, we just went through three of them, right? Uh, just a few minutes ago, the the ordinance that said God required agricultural tithes. Okay, God does not require monetary tithes. Now, we can easily prove that, that God does not require monetary tithes by going over and jumping over into the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 24 through 27, Jesus and the disciples go to Capernaum. They land in Capernaum. They, they're out there, and the uh, uh, Roman tax collectors come to the disciples, and they tell the disciples, uh, or they ask the disciples, does your master pay tribute or taxes? Uh, well, they went back and talked with Jesus, and Jesus said, you know, uh, that, that uh, the children are free. The children of the king are free. They're not required to pay, to pay taxes. Uh, it's, it's children of the kingdom that were required to pay the taxes, but not the, children, not, the, not the children of the king himself. Well, aren't we the children of the king through faith? But, but notice this thing. This is interesting because in verse 27, Jesus said, Nevertheless, lest we offend them, 
go down to the sea, cast a hook into the sea, and and pull out a fish. And the very first fish that you pull out of the sea, look in his mouth, and there's going to be a coin there. Take that coin and give it to them for me and for thee. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Uh, here's what's interesting about the, the fish. Uh, and, and that verse 27 of Matthew 17. Jesus said, lest we offend thee, uh, them. Okay, well, what about offending the Father? If God required monetary tithes, wouldn't it stand to reason that God would be offended that they gave that entire coin over to the Roman tax collectors without taking the tithe of the coin out to give to him? See, this verse alone proves that God did not require tithes. Jesus said, give the coin to them. He didn't say take tithes out. He said, give the coin to them. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to play this one clip here now. That's the whole point. We're Christians now, under the grace of God. We have a relationship with God. We need to be talking to God about giving us wisdom in our giving. Somebody says, that ain't Bible. Look at James chapter 1 and 5. James chapter 1 and 5. There's no fun in you just bucket plunking. He wants you to spend some time with it. Lord, what you want me to do? James 1 and 5. If any, if any of you lack wisdom... Wisdom is knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. How many of you have been in a situation when you have, you don't know what to do? He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men. How? Liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. So wisdom is available. Now, above all giving, above all giving should be given with pure motives. It should be given with an attitude of worship to God. And it should be given as a service to the body of Christ. So according to 2 Corinthians 9, 7, 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, look what he says here. He says, you must each decide in your in your own heart how much to give. New Testament, you must decide in your own heart how much to give. So what is grace tithing? Well, really, you think about it, there's really no such thing as grace tithing. Grace tithing is actually, uh, I would consider it an oxymoronic statement <laughs> for the main reason that Jesus said tithing is of, is of the law. Matthew 23, 23. Uh, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and anise and cumin uh, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, and or judgment, mercy, and faith. So uh, he's saying that judgment and mercy and faith are matters of the law, but they're more of more importance to observe than tithing itself. Uh, yeah, but he's saying tithing is a matter of the law. So uh, you know, if we look at that, uh, grace tithing, grace contradicts uh, 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 the law. Uh, grace, uh, the law actually denies grace. So if you're calling somebody to tithe under grace, you're actually telling them uh, that. Under grace, you have no option whatsoever, no choice to tithe. Uh, I mean, no, no choice not to tithe. Yeah. You know, so, so tithing under grace is actually an oxymoronic statement because it's, it's denying grace itself. Yeah, so. uh, and, yeah, uh, Creflo did say that tithing was never money. Yeah. And, I, and I have to commend him there. I have to give him kudos for that. Uh, he did admit, finally, that tithing in the Bible was never money. Now, what's interesting there is there's many people that are, are jumping on Creflo and telling him, you know, that he's wrong, uh, you know, and that tithing is money. 
and I've even just read one this morning where somebody was trying to bless Creflo and said that it, tithing is unambiguous. It's unambiguous because uh, uh, the Bible says the tithe is the Lord's, so it must be given. And it can be money or it can be agriculture. Your choice. Now, that's not what the Bible says. See, they're making the tithe command itself unambiguous, but they're saying that the tithe is ambiguous. You know, so <laughs> they contradict themselves. Uh, but And they're blasting uh, Creflo Dollar. Now, what's interesting in one of his, in his second message uh, uh, on the, uh, it's actually, there's three messages in the Great Manipulation uh, series that he put out. The second part that he put out uh, uh, the following Sunday after the one you, you, you played the clip from earlier, um, that second one in it, he actually states that, uh, if you say I'm still a tither, uh, you know, how does God, what does God recommend that we do as far as our giving? Uh, I'm a tither. Uh, uh, pat me on the back. I'm a tither. Uh, and he, I'm a tither. We tithe. Well, he said that if you're a tither, then you you have not yet come to the full realization of uh, being of walking in freedom. Yeah. And he goes on to say that he asked his congregation, why uh, uh, why do I believe that tithing is not for us today? So I think in in all of his messages, he's got a a, a way of saying the words that's confusing us in, in in some respect because he clearly says that he does not believe that tithing is for us today. Uh, and, and that if you believe that you're, you're supposed to tithe, you're not walking in freedom yet. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's that thing. Uh, and I think probably part of it is, is the fact that he's, uh, 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 been teaching the tithing message for so long. People are trying to hold on to that and say, this is what he's saying. And this is what he's saying. But that second message Tithing manipulation part two, actually he does in three different places, he does say that tithing is not required uh, uh, under the uh, Mosaic law. I mean, not under the Mosaic, under grace. Oh. Um, one particular statement he made, he said, I would argue, this is in that second sermon, he said, I would argue tithing isn't required or even encouraged for believers in Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's a powerful statement. You really think about it. Yeah. Um, so I think what's what's going on when he's encouraged, encouraging people to give, he may be going about that the wrong way. Because if you notice uh, in the clip that you played earlier, the very first clip that you played, uh, he was talking about how giving was re in response to God's ability to take care of you. Yeah. Now, what we didn't hear in that clip was what was said right after that. Right after that clip, he told the audience, repeat after me, giving is, uh, uh, my, my giving is an, in response to God's ability to take care of me. He had the audience repeat that. And so what he's doing, uh, he's saying in that particular clip, he's saying that Abraham tithes as a response to God's ability to take care of him. And then he tells the congregation, my giving is in response. So what he's doing is he's actually... In some respect, it sounds like he's sub subliminally telling you you've got to tithe in order to uh, show your appreciation. Yeah. Uh, but then the second sermon, like I said, the second sermon, he clearly says that it's not even encouraged in the in the Bible, uh, you know, for for believers in Christ Jesus to tithe. Yeah, it's a mixed message. Right. Yeah.
All right, so that'll be our program for today. And Ron, we'll have you back again for part two, okay? That sounds good. All right, thank you very much. Great information. Our tithe answer man, Ron Roby, and his books are available on Amazon. God bless you, brother. God bless. Bye. All right, everybody, that's our tithing expert. If you want to know anything about tithing, contact Ron Roby. He's on uh, YouTube. He's on Facebook. Now, he's, he's there. He's, uh, he is diligent to be on Facebook, answering questions all day long. He's got a website, Bold Proclaimer Ministries. He's on Twitter. So if you have any questions at all about tithing, please contact Ron because <laughs> he's the expert, let me tell you. He, he has spent hundreds of hours, I'm sure thousands, researching, writing, answering questions, and trying to get people this truth. This is the truth about giving. This is how I see it. There, there is no manipulation. There's nothing you can do to give God money because God doesn't need money. What's he going to do with it? And when I hear this kind of thing, it just, it sends me to another planet. Let me put it that way because tithing, giving, we give money to each other. I don't know why the preachers just can't tell you. When you're giving in this offering, you're giving the money to me. You're not giving it to God because God's not getting it. I don't believe giving is an act of worship. I don't believe we worship God with money. I don't believe we worship God with giving. We give to bless other people, to make them happy, to show them that we care, to show them that we're Christians, to show them that we're followers of Christ. That's our heart motive for giving. Not that, Lord, I want to bless you because all the things you've done for me. No, there's n no, uh-uh, no. That doesn't fly. It doesn't fly with me. I believe it doesn't fly with the word of God either. God is our father. Any earthly father knows that you are going to take care of your family. Any decent hard-working man of God knows if he's got a wife and he's got children, he's going to lay down his life for his family. What do you think Jesus did? He laid down his life for his family. So what am I going to do then? I'm going to hold up money in the air and I'm going to say, oh my God, I worship you with this money so that you will take care of me. No, it doesn't work that way. If I don't have to give my mother and my father money to get them to bless me. What makes you think that you give God money to bless you? It doesn't work that way. We're giving it to people. Why can't people just say that? No, they have to spiritualize it and make it a religious practice. That's not what it is. It's an act of love to another person. The way Jesus loved us, he loved us that he laid down his life for us. He gave us everything. What are, what are we going to give him as far as money? Filthy lucre. He called it filthy lucre. He said it was disgusting. 
Somebody picked up a dollar bill on the ground the other day and wound up in the hospital almost dying from fentanyl because there is fentanyl on the bill. Money's filthy. So what's God going to do with it? That's our means of exchange. That's our means of exchange. God's means of exchange is faith. Yeah, I have faith. I have faith in God to take care of me because I seek first the kingdom. That's what we do. We seek first the kingdom of God and all these things are added unto us. And what is the kingdom? The kingdom is trying to be kind to people, being a giver. And they want to beat you over the head like people say, oh, well, how is the church going to support this? They always like to say this. Why are you telling people not to give? And how is the church going to be supported? Who has to bang a Christian over the head to be a giver? You have the greatest giver of the, in the world living inside of you. So why do we feel like we have to bang people over the head with scriptures and and spend 15 or 20 minutes every Sunday teaching on giving and why they're supposed to give? When I got saved, nobody had, I didn't know really hardly anything about the Bible. I wanted to start giving everything away. I just felt like giving. Not because I knew about tithing or I knew about seed sowing or I knew that it was an act of worship or I needed to give God money so he'd give me money. No, I just wanted to bless people. I was just ready to be a blessing. And how many of us could testify of that, that when you got saved, you just wanted to be a blessing? So why why do people have to keep hounding people about giving? Well, you have to teach people this and teach people that. Otherwise, how are they going to know? You just know. You just know that when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And the greatest lover in all the world comes to live inside of you. You, you just know you, you want to be a giver. So yeah, okay, there are scriptures in, that we need to know about giving. But we're not buying blessings. And they love, these pimp preachers, they love to tell you, well, you're not buying a blessing. Then they sell you one. Well, give me $1,000 and it's a $77 seed you have to sow. And you have to give tithes and you, you have to give because you have to, you have to hold it up to God and say, God, you gave me so much. Why can't I give to you? No, you're giving it to Creflo. Creflo should just say, you're giving me the money. We're, it's for the work of the ministry. You're not giving it to God because he doesn't need it. It's for me. Quit trying to disguise it and, and just tell people the truth. What's wrong with the truth? Like, can't we handle the truth? Yeah, I think we can handle it. And it's about time we handled it. So anyway, it's a very, very important topic. And there's so much manipulation that goes on out there. Uh, Creflo, I hope he gets it all straight because he likes to, he, he, I haven't listened to, I listened to most of all his teachings lately, past few weeks, and I'll have to go back and listen because I didn't hear him say tithing wasn't money, so Ron said he said it, I never heard him say it, and I'll have to go back and I don't, I didn't listen to that last one, but Study for yourself. The scriptures that Ron gave you today, study those scriptures 
and see it for yourself. Go take out your Bible, a good translation, and go over every scripture. Go to Strong's Concordance if you have to, Vine's Expository Dictionary. Look up the words in a good dictionary like the Webster's, especially the older Webster's Dictionary is the best. And draw your own conclusions there. Don't just go to church on Sunday or listen to a TV preacher and believe everything they say. Don't believe everything I say. Check it out with the word. Check it out with the word. You can't go wrong that way because you could say, you, you see these people with pastoritis and they say, oh, well, you go to church and you have to be under the pastor and you have to be under authority and all this. And then the pastor backslides or look at Creflo. All those years he was a pastor and he was teaching people the wrong thing. Don't put your faith and trust in a human being. Put your faith and trust in the word of God and put your faith and trust in God. I'm not saying all pastors are bad. They're not. There's some great pastors out there that really do love God's people. And they're only in it because they love the ministry and they love God's people. But they could be wrong too. And if they're wrong, they should be able to be corrected with Scripture. With Scripture. And they should be able to admit that they're wrong. If they miss it, yeah, I missed it. Oh, thank you very much for letting me know. And uh, not with an ugly spirit either, like we, were, like we were saying before. We don't know everything. We see through the glass darkly, and we're all learning no matter how. I've been a Christian now 41 years. I don't know everything. No, I don't know everything, and I'm still learning, and we're all still learning and uh, we can all help each other along the way, right? We can all help each other on this road that we call life. And the most important thing, the most important thing today is do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You say, ah, Susan, all of those preachers... Yeah, well, God's not going to ask you about Jimmy Swaggart. He's not going to ask you about me. He's not going to ask you about Jim Baker. He's going to ask you about your life. So you are going to have to answer to God one day. And if you haven't accepted his son, Jesus Christ, will you say, well, I got the sacraments. I got the church. I'm a church member. Uh... I was baptized when I was a baby. No, you have to confess with your mouth. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to repent of your sins. Not that when you were a baby, your parents repented of your sins for you, and then they threw some water on you, and they said, now you're a Christian. No, that doesn't make you a Christian. When you come to the age of consent, you have to say it with your mouth. Romans 5, 8, For God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ died. If Jesus Christ died for your sins and he's the Savior, you don't have to go to purgatory. 
You don't have to have sacraments to save you. You don't have to have church membership to save you. Jesus is the Savior. He died for your sins, so you wouldn't have to die in your sins. You can have forgiveness of sins. You can have a brand new life in Christ. He'll give you a brand new life. He'll give you a home in heaven. He'll give you peace that you can't buy. He'll give you joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Give your life to Jesus today. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you want to contact me, you can contact me, Susan, at propheticnews.com. That's my email address, and I will answer you. God bless you all today. Bye-bye. Blessed be